Thanks for watching this breakdown of the 13 funniest clips of kids falling over. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you like this video, make sure to like and subscribe. And with my new book, Baking is Making, you can see how in the modern influencer economy, sometimes all you need is a little positive self-deception. Oh, there you are. About time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. Look, I'm I'm here. Let's just uh Let's get to it. <laughs> What's going on with you? <laughs> nothing, nothing. Uh, just uh, a personal matter. It's got me a bit distracted. Uh, care to share? Because this whole attempt at subtlety doesn't exactly suit you. Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, well, you, you know, I'm a helpful guy, right? I see someone in need, like yourself, for instance. I feel compelled to offer a hand. That's one way to look at it. Yeah, well, as it happens, uh, someone of significant uh, reputation has contacted me and they need my help. Oh, another podcasting opportunity? <laughs> Come on now, don't leave me hanging. Who is this important someone? Well, what do they need? <sighs> this stays on the down low, capiche? Let's just say there is a certain high-ranking diplomat from Micronesia who has recently come under persecution for their political ideology and, if you can believe it, has been imprisoned unjustly, it goes without saying. Now, if I can just rustle up a few thousand... <laughs> right. I think I see what's going on here. What? Let me ask you. Doesn't it strike you as a little odd that they picked you? You know, to help them out of their little problem. Ah, you're always so suspicious. You know, maybe if you weren't so antisocial, you'd know the value of making connections. Networking. You scratch someone's back today, maybe they scratch yours tomorrow. Plus, uh, altruism, good Samaritanship, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right, right, sure. But uh, you're also a business-minded person, are you not? So I'm guessing you stand to receive some sort of reward in exchange for this um, generosity. Well, uh, sure, of course. I'm entitled to a small remuneration for my services. Return on investment. Powerful people see they remember who their friends are. All I do is provide a... A small upfront fee? <laughs> well, how do you think they're supposed to get out of their current predicament, smart guy? By me snapping my fingers? Takes money to make money, baby. Sure, sure, yeah, sure, of course. How silly of me. What? what what's the joke here? Wait a sec. You don't think there's something fishy going on here, do you? Hey, hey, you're the savvy businessman. You know, if you feel like this is a solid proposition, then by all means, parlay your podcast bingo winnings into a big cash payday. Assuming, of course, this uh, diplomat is all they claim to be. Uh, okay, now, Mr. Smart Guy, you're such a deep thinker. How about this? Not only will I wager my podcast bingo winnings on my Micronesian friend, I'll double down by betting against you. You go do your little truthy thing I do here, and I'll put down good money that not only can you not find a shred of evidence to support these wild allegations of yours, but that I come out of this whole affair positively swimming in dough. Oh, don't do this to yourself. Nah, 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 nah. I will bet you five buckaroos that this is nothing more than one friend offering his hand to another, who happens in this case to be a perfectly legitimate diplomat in a dire situation. <sighs> Make it a 10. You're on. Boom. <laughs> Sucker. Well, time to get to work then, I guess. Indeed. Now I'll be with you in just a minute. I just need to uh, take a quick look at my checking account. I get it. 
Who doesn't want to help another human being in need? Actually, (laughs) who am I kidding? Lots of people don't want to help other people in need. But for many of us, the compassionate impulse is an innate one. It can be a tough doggy dog world. We want to help others and we want to help ourselves. Best case scenario, we imagine we can do both at the same time. After all, there are countless charities out there, big and small, good and bad. Some folks are genuinely out there to make a difference, fighting for any and all causes. And some, well, they're in it for the tax breaks. Oh, yes, sir. Whole lot of charity-based scams out there. Hey, look at you. Suddenly so vigilant. So you uh, get your finances squared away there? (laughs) You were saying? I was saying, basically, helping people is much more complicated than it would seem on the surface. If the world operated on a simpler, more logical morality, a person who needs help gets help. And the one providing the help would do it because it's the right thing to do, not because they expect a reward or praise or for their kind deed to be filmed from afar and shared online to help promote a content creator brand that turns kindness into t-shirt sales and- Whoa, 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 slow down. We just started this one. Save all that self-righteousness for the, uh, oh, I don't know, 36-minute mark or so, which, by the way, is too long. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it is a classic philosophical question. Is there such a thing as a truly selfless act? Or should no good deed go unrewarded? Do we apply the principles of economics to altruism? You know, should a human require an incentive to encourage their, well, humanity? Well, not everyone is like me, Danny boy. I've been doing this whole production thing with you out of the goodness of my heart. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Uh, Jury's still out on that. That hurts me, Dan. But I forgive. Anyways, when I was young... Old man alert! (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Younger. When I was younger. In the early days of computers and the internet, there were these infamous emails that would sometimes pop up in your inbox. Now, hey... You should listen to this, because, you know, this actually concerns you. Hey, I am always listening. And should I happen to miss a moment or two, uh, I'll catch it in post. Post? Wait, sorry, you edit this? You know what? Never mind. Now, in these emails, a person in need would ask, desperately, usually, for your assistance in being liberated from some predicament or another. Usually, they've been wrongly or unjustly imprisoned or targeted perhaps for political reasons. The key factor is that this person in need, this prisoner of conscience, is almost always a person of reputation, a wealthy business person, a government official, or even, say, a prince. And lucky you. Yes, you. You have been bestowed with the opportunity to help them out. All they need is a little advance fee to wiggle them out of their problem. Then, of course, once freed, and returned to their illustrious status, they demonstrate their deep and profound gratitude to you by cutting you in on a massive amount of their newly regained wealth. It all makes perfect sense. I'd say so. Come on, this is a win-win. You help a person in need, they get freed, and together you celebrate this prevailing of justice by sharing in yacht loads of wealth. I don't see the problem here. Still clinging to your dreams, I see. Well, unfortunately... The problem is, directly after you send the funds, poof, Patrick Swayze, they ghost you. You know, you seem to be forgetting that Swayze was a friendly ghost. And even before he became a ghost as a loving boyfriend and pottery enthusiast, he was actually very tender. But I digress. Now, arguably the most famous, you could say, of these prestigious correspondences, the Nigerian prince. You've probably heard of it. In fact... For a while, this scam was so common, it's become a piece of common culture. Or dare I say, a meme. Oh, nice callback. Very professional. Thank you. Not my first rodeo. Now, do you think people at their first rodeo go around telling people that this is, in fact, their first rodeo? The Nigerian prince, much like last week's snake oil, has become synonymous with this particular type of scam. But, also much like Mercola to snake oil... It turns out that these emails weren't some revelation of the digital age, but were actually just a new iteration of a classic. Like so many cons and schemes, they repeat throughout history, usually with a few modern spins to help them fit with the times, or more likely, 
to make them less recognizable as what they truly are. Ah, yes, because people are notoriously good at learning lessons and applying knowledge to avoid repeating mistakes and falling for obvious schemes. You are truly one to talk. But hey, that's why we're here, to help enhance people's internal lie detectors. The Nigerian print schemes that plagued the early days of email were also known as 419 scams, in reference to Section 419 of the Nigerian Criminal Code, which deals with fraud. But it didn't originate there. In fact, the typical memory of referring to it as specifically Nigerian is just our classic cultural habit of balling up a broader issue into a simple geographical name, like uh, Spanish flu or West Nile virus. Or a Cleveland steamer. <laughs> don't, don't, no, no. Now, in reality, this same scam was being run in at least a dozen other countries and was around long before the internet came along, in one variation or another. See, these advanced fee scams are an old play from the old schemer's handbook. On March 20th, 1898, the New York Times published an article entitled an old swindle revived, in which they describe a grift known as the Spanish prisoner and how it was once again being used on unsuspecting New Yorkers. Apparently, it had already been in operation for 30 years. In 1898, same game, an unsuspecting Mark receives a letter. A high-ranking diplomat has been imprisoned, cannot reveal their true identity to buy their own freedom, so they must have the help of a third-party benefactor. Lucky you again. A reward upon release is always promised, and sometimes even a non-monetary incentive is dangled. Perhaps the diplomat offers his daughter's hand in marriage. <laughs> what kind of moron would fall for that? <laughs> now, there are some interesting threads from this article that still ring true today. One, that prosecuting the perps was difficult, if not impossible, because the scam was typically run from overseas. It's out of legal jurisdiction. And two, that even if it was worth prosecuting, the victims very rarely report the crime. Why would they? <laughs> I mean, you think someone's going to come right out and admit they actually believe they'd make millions of dollars and a beautiful Nigerian princess would marry me? Uh, uh, them? <laughs> it's just uh, it's ridiculous. Case in point. Even today, victims of fraud often take the L and accept their losses. There's very little sympathy for victims of financial crimes, depending on the dollar amount, of course. The usual response from peers and even law enforcement tends to be, well, you got duped, that's on you. Now, another piece of this 125-year-old Times article, the letters that people received in the original scam had come from Havana, Cuba. But since relations and communication with Cuba had improved in the decades prior, the chance of the ruse falling apart were much higher. So at the time the article was printed, the scheme had moved farther away, this time to Spain or France, somewhere exotic, where foreign relations were more minimal. Now, a century later from then, the ground has shifted again. Europe is now in close ties with North America, so naturally, the scheme has moved to locales even less culturally known to Westerners, hence, somewhere like Nigeria. All of this is to create a sense of the exotic, the unknown a call to adventure and fortune. The less you know about who and where is calling on you, the more exciting the thrill. So, uh, just to clarify, it's a no-go for me and the princess, right? Sorry, buddy. I wouldn't hold my breath. Exploiting people's lack of knowledge of another part of the world is a crucial part of running this scheme. To a con artist, ignorance is bliss. Establishing trust, a friendly relationship, a sense that we're in this together, which in turn gets exploited. Hmm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you looking at me for? You think I'm running some kind of game on you? Think about it. I haven't asked you for one penny. Frankly, I resent the implication. I don't want to hear any more about it. You're acting crazy. I didn't say anything. Anyway, I guess what I'm pondering is how people can fall for something that seems so obviously too good to be true. There's got to be something more fundamental to all this, the whole advance fee thing. Oh, turn on the stove, folks. He's boiling it down. Let's look at it from the Mark's perspective. Someone asks you for money, and the object is that they'll give you a lot more money back later on. The promise, the short-term gratification, the whole women a prayer of it. It's sort of like gambling. 
or investments or... Oh, I know this. Uh, get-rich-quick scheme. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that's exactly what this really is. Hey, now, see? Another win for your trusted partner in crime. Uh, truth. Partner in truth. I have many marketable skills. Speaking of which... I think it's time for another of our dynamic content breaks. Let me just uh, get this oh, right. What? Up here. No, 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 no. That's too sudden. Uh, uh, hard no, we'll be right back. Sometimes the modern economy can seem scary, especially to the average lump of human clay like you. All around us are investment opportunities, business ventures, proactive paradigms, innovative ideations, countless ways to secure our financial future. But with so much on offer, so many big words and intimidating ideas, how do we sort the schemes from the true opportunities? The answer is simple. Don't bother, dummy. You couldn't navigate this complex landscape if you tried. Hi, my name is Brad Nadolf. I'm a professional financial advisor, motivational speaker, and author of such best-selling books as Zero to 100, That Quick, and Patience, the key to unlocking your financial future right now. And I'm here to tell you about my latest venture. Introducing Nadolf Investments, your one-stop shop for financial security and fiscal prosperity. Instead of gnashing your teeth, furrowing your brow, wondering whatever to do with the paltry sum in your savings account, struggling in vain to make even one remotely intelligent financial decision, place your trust in someone who has actually experienced financial success, who has sold millions of books possibly, and has over 12 million Twitter followers, many of them verified. Verified. Why worry? Why take chances with your future? Nadolf Investments takes your hard-earned money, picks the best investment opportunities, and guarantees a return that will leave you scratching your pretty little head in amazement, wondering, how did they make it look so easy? So don't think too hard, stupid. Don't hurt yourself. Just sign your ridiculous name, give us your pathetic credit card details, and we'll do all that scary hard work for you. Plus, for you fast-acting simpletons, order now and get an advanced copy of my new book, Cash rules everything around us, investing in the we economy, to adorn your bookshelf so you can pretend like you're well-read. And for you skulking audiophiles, tune your obsolete two-year-old iPhones to my new podcast, Fast Money Now, where I talk with some of the leading minds in the worlds of finance, blockchain, corporate greenwashing, and people who are actually my financial, and therefore intellectual, equals. Experts times other experts equals big money for you. Do the math, you troglodytes. Sign up, tune in, and cash out. Uh, that was really uh, aggressive. <laughs> These men of action don't mince words, Dan. They're doers, telling it like it is. They don't have time for all your high-minded pleasantries. How do you keep finding these ads? Why are they always strangely connected to the topic of the episode? It's called brand collaboration. What do you think I'm up to over here all day? Uh, you know what? You wouldn't understand. You stay in your lane, I'll stay in mine. Capiche? Anyway... Get-rich-quick schemes are maybe the oldest of all schemes, the financial scam version of the oldest joke in the book. Knock, knock. Shut up. A massive amount of financial scams stem back to this basic thought. I give you a bit of money now, I get a lot back later. But what makes this con so special and so insidious is that it recognizes that even with the promise of a return on investment... Not everyone is so quick to part with their money. Not like me. I say, if you love something, let it go. For some people, it can't feel entirely selfish. A little extra incentive is needed. The desire to help. This scam accounts for the altruistic streak in some people. Even the faintest shred of decency. And seeks to exploit that too. If you won't give us your money for yourself... Would you give it to a desperate, pleading fellow human? You know, this is all starting to sound a little nefarious. Speaking of which, uh, be sure to check out the brand new show, Necessarily Nefarious, wherever you get- You might not plugging other shows out there? <sighs> all right, let's shift gears for a second here and talk about this whole idea of get-rich-quick schemes. As our weekly reminder that this is not a new thing, why don't we start with this McLean's article from 1906 entitled, get this, 
modern get-rich-quick schemes. A lot of very old articles here today, Danny boy. You bust out the old microfiche or what? Now, this article outlines one particular scam in which promoters shopped around a prospectus for a company promising fantastic returns on investments. The prospectus was based on the idea that eggs, yes, eggs, would be sold at high prices and would be laid by hens at an exponentially increasing rate. Now, how would this all happen? Well, apparently, by getting hens to lay eggs night and day at double the rate of their usual egg laying, and with each generation, more hens would lay more eggs, and on and on and on and on, forever! Money, 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 money. Now that's efficiency. It's like the Amazon warehouse of egg laying. I guess you could say this idea was cracking, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because eggs can... There's a couple problems, of course. One, you just can't force all these hens to double their output. And two, that the eggs they lay can't all be more hens because, you know, genetics and all that. And third, that the eggs for sale are not always going to be high quality eggs that will fetch the highest of prices. Uh, nothing a well-written PR speech can gloss over. You'd think. Except, of course, the scheme fell apart in the end. But not before the promoters made off with over $80,000, equal to about $2.8 million today. Solid get. Or how about this one? From around the same time. A man known only as Jurgensen went looking for investors into his new business idea, which centered around the belief that seawater had trace amounts of gold in it. Can you imagine? He supposedly got the idea from an encyclopedia article that stated this totally true fact and claimed he had discovered the elusive scientific method of separating the gold from the water. Ah, oh, wow. Literally a golden idea. How'd he manage to screw that one up? Screw it up? No, 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 no. Haven't you been listening? Great scammers don't fail. They keep the plates spinning as long as they can until eventually they have to run as fast and as far as they possibly can. To his con artist's credit, though, Jurgensen did go the extra mile. He supposedly built a plant on the coastline in Maine, with a portion of the plant being handedly hidden from view underwater. The unviewable section, of course, being where the top secret gold sifting magic took place. You know, I like this guy's style. He would have had me hooked. No kidding. But here's the golden cherry on top. Jurgensen got himself some bullion, the real deal, some actual gold, and took it to Boston to show people what he'd obtained from his magical methods. Well, okay, he didn't call it magical, but you get what I mean. Investors were skeptical. But upon testing the piece of Jurgensen's gold, they found that it was, in fact, real gold. Boom! Credibility established. Trust gain. Now, it was just a simple matter of reeling them in with a personal trip to the coastline gold plant, and they were putty in his hands. Yes, after passing the single speech check, Jurgensen's account was verified, so to speak. Investors were impressed, their skepticism all but blinded out in the sweet glimmer of gold. He went on to form the company, sell stock, and empty many a wallet before, poof, disappearing in a puff of smoke. The ocean gold bonanza was over as fast as it started, or, from a realer, more factual standpoint, turned out to never have existed at all. Of course, it's easy to laugh at some of the more outlandish examples. The real issue here is that the majority of these are not nearly as much fun or as easy to spot. Most are subtle, clever investment opportunities that prey on people's ignorance, desperation, or yes, even goodwill. I mean, for the potential profits alone, who wouldn't want to invest in a business plan that not only helps some fledgling entrepreneur, but promises to pay you back tenfold? It makes us feel like we're high-rolling, high-risking, out there on the cutting edge of something new and exciting. Like being on the ground floor of IBM in the 80s. Or in the early days of Facebook, rubbing elbows with that albino alligator who runs it. Exactly. If there's a sucker born every minute, there's a corporation born every two. Did you know that the S&P 500, the index of the 500 largest companies in America, has grown at a steady pace of about 10% per year since 1957? Not bad. Plenty of thriving billion-dollar businesses to throw your lot in with. Put in, say, five grand. Next year, 
you might have around 5,500. Seems like a nice little gain. Uh, I gotta wait a year for 500 bucks. I don't know. And what if instead of that, I said I'd double, no, triple your $5,000 investment in just two weeks? You son of a bitch. I'm in. Exactly. Now we can all sit here, listen to this and think, nah, not me, never. But consumers lost nearly $6 billion to fraud in 2020 in the United States alone. And considering the number of cases that go unreported due to embarrassment or shame, that's probably a low ball. And every day, all around the world, there are countless new frauds emerging, new tactics, loopholes, tricks, and traps. By the way, you ever heard of this uh, monkey coin thing? This billionaire and a bunch of YouTube personalities have been swearing by it. Apparently, it's the future of currency. They're calling it Money 2.0. are you, are you even listening? Sure, sure. You were saying something about uh, tripling my money? It was like five minutes ago. <laughs> you ever think maybe you have a gambling problem? How often are you playing that whole podcast bingo anyways? Uh, bingo is only Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. What's on all the other days? Oh, well, uh, let's see. Uh, There's Podcast Blackjack, Podcast Roulette, Podcast Mahjong. Uh, that one's a little confusing. Oh, and my personal favorite, podcast horse racing. Horse? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check it out. Let me just uh, pull a couple things together here. And uh, No, 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 no. Come on. No, no, no. Trust me. You'll love it. Uh, here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the podcast derby. The boys are lined up and ready to roll. The sun is shining out here at Podtrack Stadium. Lordy, lordy, what a day for another audiological delight of a race. And oh, they're off. And right out the gate, we've got This American Life topping the charts with an episode about the deeper meaning of mundane daily tasks. Then it's the daily close behind with a first-hand dissection of voting trends among millennials. And it looks like my favorite voter is keeping pace while cracking jokes at another person's gruesome demise. Followed by Call Her Daddy and a hearty discussion of more single life experiences. Oh, sweet. My ticket is looking good so far. Come on, Dan, place a dynamic mid-race bet. Or a trifecta. It's never too late to win, win, win. No, I think I think I'm good. What's the uh, measure of success we're going on here? Listeners, Danny boy, it's always about the numbers. Ugh, great. And oh, what's this? Colonel O'Brien needs a friend. Interviewing George W. Bush and WTF with Mark Maron talking shop with get this himself coming in fifth and sixth. The Joe Rogan Experience dead last as its latest episode features yet another brash weirdo with strong opinions, perhaps overstaying its welcome. Underdog comedy sensation Aya Dude is holding steady despite its advanced age, and newcomer hard no riding off to the side, struggling to build a solid fan base. Well, that sounds awfully familiar for me. Don't lose heart, buddy boy. These races are always filled with excitement. Go, go! Papa needs a new pair of suede shoes. <laughs> suede shoes? <laughs> My favorite murder now settling towards the back of the pack. The daily riding strong, this American life up front, resting on its laurels. But oh, here comes Conan O'Brien needs a friend using decades of name recognition to its advantage. And oh, wow, the Joe Rogan experience has jumped the fence and appears to be rampaging out in the streets. Oh, no, those off-brand supplements have gone terribly wrong. The old boy will have to be put down. Now we've got WTF finding second wind on the outside, followed closely by the Daily. And now it's the Daily, call her daddy, and oh, oh, what's this? A late entry. Oh my word. It's an AI-generated Tupac Shakur interviewing the new school stars of hip-hop in All Ears on Me. Talk about merging name recognition with new age talk. How can anyone compete? It's a runaway to the finish line now. What, what the hell is that? Some random show just jumps in and takes the whole cake? Oh, no, no! I always lose out to some genre-merging, big-name collaboration that breaks the walls of what we thought was possible. Damn it! It's gonna be a tight holiday around the old household. All right, let's get back to work. So close to a big payoff. Well, that was not fun. I don't think I liked that game at all. Uh, All right, that could have gone better. But hey, come on, for a moment, wasn't it nice to think we were about to strike it big? Oh, it was a thrill to watch, that's for sure. I'm a little disappointed in our showing, actually. Well, that's all right. We're building things up here, friendo. Playing the long game. Stay positive. All right, all right. 
Now, these get-rich-quick ideas may seem like BS to most passers-by, but really it's all relative. Gambling should seem like a weak proposition to participate in, but it's more popular than ever. And even if 99% of people smell the whiff of an obvious scam in the air and walk away, all it takes is that 1% to make it work. Like we've just seen, it's another form of gambling, playing the odds, like a creep airdropping dick pics in the park. Most people won't even open it. They know better. But if just one does, score. You've achieved whatever it is you were trying to achieve. You know, you really get fired up about this stuff. I can't wait to hear the inevitable TED Talk you've got planned. Advanced fee scams work by establishing trust. That is, after all, why the perpetrators are called confidence men. By bringing real gold to show off, or by claiming a position of authority, a foreign prince or a persecuted diplomat, or you can ingratiate yourself with people by giving them tours of a real factory. And once that trust has been established, it's easier to find and exploit people's ignorance of the political structures of a distant nation, perhaps, or of how hens lay eggs, and all to stall for more money, create roadblocks, string it out as long as you can before eventually... Swayze. Swayze. And you're counting on the marks keeping quiet, usually because they're too embarrassed to admit that they were duped. If they do seek help, they get unsympathetic responses to their problem. If you're the scammer, you'll likely get away with it. There's practically no expectation that law enforcement will prevent, seek out, or punish the perpetrators of financial scams like these. Unfortunately, it's up to unsuspecting people to know better and not get duped in the first place, to sense when something is too good to be true, and ultimately, that there really is no such thing as fast and easy money. You know, I'm hearing a lot of victim blaming here, Dano. What about the scammers? What kind of animals are out there pulling crap like this? Don't tell me you're going to let these sick bastards off the hook. Whoa, 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 whoa. Good Lord, no. In fact, that's one of the key points we're going to look at. We've already delved into why people fall for these scams. They want to see the wealth they've built grow into something larger, and they're impatient about it and intimidated by the flurry of needlessly complicated economic rules and financial processes. Everyday people lack the deeper understanding of investments, auditing, accounting, taxation, and on and on. These things are not properly taught in schools, despite being apparent cornerstones of our wealth-obsessed society. And that knowledge gap of regular people is fertile ground for scammers, who are banking on sliding in that sweet spot between people's simultaneous confusion and desperation. And of course, we don't really need to ask why con artists run cons. The world runs on money, and we've made acquiring more of it one of the primary objectives of the human experience. In that way, the victims and perpetrators have that in common. They're both struggling against a system that's made money the be-all, end-all of life. The only real difference, of course, is that one is bright-eyed and naive, and the other is looking to exploit that wow. fact. Wow, that's, uh, that's a pretty bleak view of things, Danny boy. Well, prove me wrong. Uh, once, one sec, uh, I got this. If Dan's bleak view of the monetary systems of the world upset you, or if you are a finance mogul, crypto bro, billionaire apologist, or run-of-the-mill capitalist, or if you simply have a well-reasoned rebuttal, send your thoughts to dan at disinformed.ca, or find them on Twitter or Instagram, at disinformeddan. You'll have it. Uh, thanks. All right, so maybe we've arrived at that point where we dig a little deeper into the psychology of what we're dealing with. So far this episode, we haven't cracked open nearly enough craniums. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's all this about cracking skulls? I don't know if our insurance covers that. The ability to look at other people and not only think, ah, screw them, but concoct an elaborate plan to mislead and then rob them can't just be a simple matter of they want money. I mean... Critical as I may be of our lovely modern capitalist system. Tommy alert. Tommy alert. What? Uh, what Please the? consult your nearest Ayn Rand novel. Uh, can you alert. do something? <laughs> sorry, sorry. That, uh, that goes off on reflex sometimes. Let me just... Uh... Yeah, all right. You should be safe now. Just, uh, just be careful. Uh, okay. Thanks. On the surface, what drives people to commit scams on others may be financial gain, sure. That's the incentive. But the core lack of empathy, the shrug at the suffering of others, it's not something that everyone is capable of doing, 
or of living with afterwards. So the next question is, what kind of wiring are we dealing with? Oh, here we go. Paige and Dr. Dan. About time. Let's shrink some heads. Writer Maria Konnikova, whose work focuses on scams and their victims, has explored how great scam artists are often great storytellers, highly skilled at weaving a narrative around themselves or creating a lure around the play they're trying to run. Good storytelling, eh? Hmm. Interesting. You know something? I'm watching you, kiddo. Oh, well, I'm flattered. But really, if you think about it, there's usually a good story woven around every con. You gotta create a character, a backstory. And not only that, you gotta sell it. You gotta be an actor. Hell, you gotta be Brando. The advanced fee scams, the prince who needs your help, the egg company with the overworked slave hens, the ocean gold factory, or hey, let's get more modern, any investment scam, Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, cryptocurrencies, NFTs with their content creator spokespeople, even your classic Ponzi scheme. A lie has exactly as much value as your ability to sell it. It really puts the art in con artistry. And that skill, that very specific and devious specialization so common to scammers and confidence folk of all kinds, well, turns out it may be a key component in a psychological concept known as the dark triad. Ooh, I think I heard of that one. Is that the new Marvel show coming to the old streamers? I gotta admit, they must have made a kajillion of those superhero shows, and honestly, I could go for a kajillion more. Oh, oh don't give them ideas, please. No, the dark triad is what is considered the three-headed monster of psychological traits, namely narcissism, psychopathy, and Machiavellianism. Within each of those three traits are a smorgasbord of characteristics that set a pretty obvious stage for scam artistry and help to explain how the perpetrators can allow themselves to undertake such complex schemes without a care for their impact on others. Picture the dark triad as a sort of Venn diagram that overlaps neat little circles of selfishness, lack of empathy, lack of guilt, unemotional behavior, superficial charm, that is, when people do or say what looks good over what is actually true to themselves. Also, egotism. All right, all right, all right, we get it. They're dickheads. No need to rattle off the whole psychologist dictionary to me. But uh, what was that other one you mentioned? The macaroni one. Machiavellianism? Yeah, that's, uh, what is that? It is a mouthful of a name, I know. But honestly, this may be the most important trait to the kind of cons we've been looking at here. In the 16th century, political theorist Niccolo Machiavelli published his most famous writing, The Prince, a sort of instructional guide for up-and-coming royalty, which in the centuries since has become a cornerstone for understanding politics as the game of scheming, deception, and manipulation that it is today. As such, Machiavelli's name also became synonymous with that type of devious, labyrinthine plotting. In the 1960s, psychologists Richard Christie and Florence Geis sought to study the behaviors of serial manipulators, and in doing so, developed a scale-like test called the Mach 4 that would score people as high mocks or low mocks. High mocks, for example, tend to exhibit traits like endorsement of manipulative statements, lack of affect in interpersonal relationships, lack of conventional morality, and low commitment to an ideology. While the testing has been updated in recent years to include the traits of antagonism, planfulness, and agency, which is having the confidence to do any of this at all. Hey, another reason for the whole confidence man name. See, I'm grasping all this. Is there, uh, there going to be a test at the end? No. But, yeah, you're also right. Exude confidence, earn confidence. It's all part of confidence artistry. Really, none of this is surprising. Since human beings decided to get together and live in a more structured world, there's been an endless struggle between those who believe in the social contract of civilization and those who see the world as more fluid and free-flowing, where there's no real rules and anything goes. If you don't really believe society matters, there are no consequences, ethically or tangibly. If the only qualifier is whether other people are foolish enough to fall for it, hell, why not scam? 
Why not grift every possible dollar out of people's pockets? Morality, dignity, respect? Yeah, throw it all in the trash. Life becomes strictly about survival, about every person for themselves. And then, over time, the sense of trust that is so essential to society begins to erode. Hey, you're not going to believe this, but man, Marvel really does churn out those movies quick. Check this out. What, another ad break? No, come on, I need more notice than that. In a world where no one can be trusted, three villains will rise and take you on a journey to the dark side of the mind. That's my life savings! Oh, you mean this? <laughs> Who are you? You can call me the narcissist, and the world will know my name. <laughs> he left a calling card, sir. That's no calling card. That's an NFT, a narcissist fungible token. What does that even mean? Every villain has an origin story. You can't do this. You asked for my help, and I trusted you. You, you, you psychopath. Not just any psychopath. I'm the psychopath. How can you do this to people? Um, that was all revealed in my several traumatic flashback scenes as a kid, showing a clear link between my abusive upbringing and my current antisocial behavior and general lack of empathy, allowing you to feel a comfortable amount of sympathy for me while remaining confidently repulsed by my obvious ethical villainy. Trust no one. Be afraid of everything. This scheme is so diabolical. Almost Machiavellian. That's right, baby. Tell your friends you got fleeced by the prince. Your sexy neighborhood con man. Hey! sold our house, gave up everything to invest in your golden coffee bean plantation. <laughs> Jeff, a good time? <laughs> I hope you don't think I'm bullying you. <laughs> Ugh, and these puns. And you know, I would have gone with rinse by the prince, but uh, okay. This summer... Won't someone please stop these thieves? Evil has some familiar traits. They each possess a defining characteristic of manipulative psychotic behavior, and they all laugh like the Joker for some reason. <laughs> stop us. You think your piddling legal system is gonna save you? <laughs> <laughs> the Joker's not even from the same universe. He's Marvel Studios presents The Dark Triad Coming to theaters near you I literally cannot believe it Ah Jeez, all right, let's wind this down. What do we know? Certain people, many possessing those famous dark triad traits, have been running advanced fee scams for well over a century. The game changes a bit, sure, but the elements are essentially the same. And there's always a new batch of people getting caught in the web. People from all demographics, all walks of life, rich and poor, educated or not, people of all ages, races, backgrounds, doesn't matter. The unifying factor seems to be that, for whatever reason, they aren't well-equipped enough to identify the bullshit before it hits them. Or maybe just not patient enough to know that too good to be true is, well, exactly that. Or maybe, like a horse race, there's some underlying thrill to the unknown of it all, an exhilaration of taking a chance that could break either way. And even for those few that can see the scam train coming, there are cons designed to prey on their altruism, their helpful streak. Save your fellow human from a dire situation, get rich in the process, everybody wins. So what can we take from all of this? 
Honestly, it's a difficult question. And one I've spent some time thinking about. Maybe the best way to look at it is less about the con itself, but how it's emblematic of cons as a whole and con artists. Take our dark triad perpetrators. In most cases, these are folk who have, unfortunately, inherited some faulty genetics or suffered their own painful experiences that have left them detached from the moral fabric of the world. Or maybe they were simply taught to just lie from a young age, raised in the ways of manipulation. Whatever the reasons, their scams and frauds cost people billions of dollars every year. But more importantly, they chip away at the basic foundations of trust, undermining one of the core values of human society, that we are all living, working, and surviving together. It's the invisible glue that makes this whole thing work. Without it, we're drifting, becoming ghosts to one another. Swayze, I get you. It all comes back around. Once these chasms start to form between us, it starts to spread like an infection to other parts of our world. Lies become not the exception, but the norm. Corrupt practices run rampant and go largely unpunished. Politicians, the leaders who govern our very lives, are considered a joke. Corrupt by default. Media and news outlets are now assumed to be lying. Trust and verification is bought and sold as little blue check marks every day, right before our eyes. We all know it, and we all play along anyway. Influencers, faulty products, false advertising, wellness grifts, baseless, biased, politically slanted content fed to us as fact, as news, as truth. When faced with all that, does the simple act of trusting an email from a stranger seem more or less insane? In The Prince, Niccolo Machiavelli writes, He who seeks to deceive will always find someone who will allow himself to be deceived. These schemes are Machiavellian not only for their intricate webs of deceit or for exploiting our desire for wealth or health, but for seeing past those desires to the more selfless need to help, to do good in the world, and gunning for that, too. The scammers, the dark triad minds at work here, recognize that empathy exists, but can only see it as a means to an end. And over time, as that kind of thinking goes unchecked, it spreads across our collective unconscious. It contributes to our society's self-destructive frenzy to commodify and monetize everything, not only our dark impulses, but our decent ones too. Human connection itself becomes just another way to get what we want from each other. Sure, many of us may need personal incentive to do a good deed, a little reward, a little pat on the head. Hell, some of us need that incentive to do pretty much anything. Does that make us cruel or easy prey or just predictably human? Does it make the perpetrators of such scams evil Marvel villains, Machiavellian masterminds, or simply savants at the art of self-preservation, able to see angles that others couldn't or wouldn't? I don't know the answer. The more I think on it, the more I try to make sense of it, the more I realize I might be the one who needs help here. Ah, and when I see a friend in need, I am a friend indeed. Could I offer you uh, five bucks in this trying time? <sighs> Maybe that's the answer. No one knows what's going on. No one has answers. We're just all doing our best to survive. And when all's said and done, one fact remains. We all need money to live. A few extra dollars and a good deed under your belt might be the best we can hope for. So, in lieu of answers, in lieu of any sense to all this insanity, for now, well, I guess five bucks will have to do. Is, uh, is that a yes? Hey, hey, Danny boy, uh, I got a little problem. 
Uh, you remember that friend I mentioned before the show? Uh, if by friend you mean Micronesian diplomat, then yes. Why? Well, the uh, thing is, <laughs> uh, I might have accidentally given him uh, several thousand dollars. <laughs> what? Listen, he was very convincing. I only wanted to help. You know how it is. Look, look, it, it doesn't matter now. I need your help. <sighs> What do you want me to do? It's not like the show makes any money. I know, I know. But hey, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe this is a sign. Maybe it's time we started uh, expanding those horizons a little. Make this thing a little more, uh, you know, lucrative. Uh, well, uh, all right. I, I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> well, hey... That's a good start. Hard No is written and produced by Dan Felton and David Felton. Original music was produced by David Felton. Find his work at dfeltmusic on Instagram. Hard No's artwork was created by the talented Q, who you can find at the Mighty Q Works on Twitter and Instagram. Special thanks this episode to Jeff Feitner, who's on the socials at FightPro and has all your podcast production needs at fightpro.com. To follow Hard No on social media, follow at Disinformed Dan on Twitter and Instagram. Additional notes and sources can be found at disinformed.ca slash hard no. Questions, comments, and concerns? Email me at dan at disinformed.ca. And if you like what you hear, pass it on. And thanks for listening.